God is glorious in His saints. Welcome to the Christian Saints Podcast. My name is Dr. Darren Ong, recording from Sepang in Malaysia. In this podcast, we explore the lives of the Christian saints, from the Anglican, Roman Catholic, and Eastern Orthodox traditions. Today, we commemorate St. Magdalene of Canossa, founder of the Canossian Daughters of Charity. St. Magdalene was Italian, born in Verona in the 18th century, from an aristocratic family. Nonetheless, she desired to serve God rather than enjoy the privileged lifestyle of an aristocrat. She first considered becoming a nun, but felt eventually that life in the cloister was not for her. She then founded an order known today as the Canossian Daughters of Charity, an order of sisters dedicated to serving the poor, and in particular to serving poor children. We will read from a brief biography of her life. This is from a brochure published by these Canossian Daughters of Charity. Magdalene of Canossa started her charitable works at the age of 34, after a long struggle and search for God's will for her. She was born in Verona, Italy, on March the 1st, 1774, to a rich and noble family. Through painful events, like the death of her father, the departure of her mother, sickness, and misunderstandings, the Lord guided her towards unexpected paths, which Magdalene tried hard to understand. At 17, she believed she was called to the life of the cloister, and attempted to join the Carmelites twice. But the Spirit of God urged her interiorly to give herself to the service of the neediest persons whom the convent grills prevented her from reaching out to. She returned home and, forced by the sorrowful family circumstances and tragic historical events of the 18th century, she concealed in her heart her dream of offering herself to God and neighbor. She lived in the Canosa Palace, accepting the administration of the huge family patrimony. In the midst of her tireless activities and heavy family responsibilities, Magdalene found the time to intensify her prayer, the daily contemplation of the love of Christ on the cross, and of the Mother of Sorrows. Inflamed by the same fire of God's love, she opened herself to the cry of the poor, hungering for bread, instruction, and God. Magdalene looked from her magnificent palace at the misery of the peripheral districts of Verona, where the impact of the French Revolution 
the alternating domination of foreign emperors and the Veronese Pasch had left evident signs of devastation and human suffering. In the face of so many needs, Magdalene felt unequal to the task. She sought and found her first companions, who welcomed the invitation to share her life of poverty and unconditional charity. In 1808, having overcome the final resistances from her family, she left the Canosa Palace to initiate in Verona what she interiorly felt was God's will, to serve Christ in the poor. Charity is like a fire that ever spreads out, and Magdalene opened her heart to the urgent needs of other towns like Venice, Milan, Bergamo, and Trent, where in a few decades she founded houses and sent her daughters who had grown in number. Magdalene obtained the approval of the rules in 1828. She died in Verona, assisted by her daughters on Passion Friday, April the 10th, 1835. On December the 7th, 1941, she was proclaimed blessed by Pope Pius XII. She was declared a saint by Pope John Paul II on October the 2nd, 1988. The spirit of the Daughters of Charity is that of being detached from everything and ready for the divine service and to go anywhere, even to the remotest country. In 1860, animated by the spirit of Magdalene, the Daughters of Charity sailed for the East to spread the good news among the people who had not yet heard the proclamation of the Gospel. Today, the Institute of the Daughters of Charity are present in all five continents. The sisters number about 2,300, constituting 18 provinces and work on spreading of the Kingdom of God. Magdalene of Canosa is mother not only to her daughters but also to her sons. While remaining one community of religious for almost a century, and experiencing the uncertainty of survival, they succeeded through many difficulties to keep alive the ideal of Magdalene and to transmit as precious heritage a spirit of humble and generous service to the poor and little ones. Today, the Sons of Charity are steadily increasing in numbers, bringing the name and love of God to all in Italy and abroad. It is Magdalene's apostolic invitation to all the lay people who, in syntonic with her charism, rooted in the spirit of Jesus crucified, wish to collaborate in their state in life and workplace to spread the kingdom of God. St. Magdalene's Order of Canossian Daughters emphasize both the contemplative and the active aspects of Christian life and service. Here is a blog entry written by the Canossians of the Philippines discussing the spiritual aspects of her life and work. 
The title of this blog post is The Love Spirituality of St. Magdalene of Canosa. The story of Magdalene is the story of a love that is ever more intense for Jesus on the cross, poor and stripped of all except the love that spurred him to such great sacrifice. The life of Magdalene can be our life too, as we journey towards love, self-fulfillment, hope, and faith. That her history of spiritual action and contemplation in action can be our personal story too. The life of Magdalene can be our personal story in our time. And as we journey towards the path of self-discovery and spiritual growth, one can understand the life of Magdalene in our daily journey in walking towards being charity-oriented people, where there is sharing and love. Contemplation in action is the spiritual goal set forth by Magdalene. From her memoirs, we can define the Christian aspect of Magdalene's spirituality, the Eucharistic piety, the centrality of the crucified Jesus, Marian devotion, community life, works of charity, and contemplation. Magdalene lives her apostolic ardor to its fullest, imitating the virtues of Jesus crucified, especially in the exercise of her works of charity, with God alone as her aim, with the crucified Christ as her luminous exemplar, with the sorrowful virgin as mother and friend. Moved by that love, Magdalene responded to the cry of the poor, hungry for food, instruction, and understanding of the Word of God. It serves all the needs of anyone who feels and desires to journey with Magdalene in her calling, and also a call for us to live the charismatic experience of Christ crucified in a life of total dedication to contemplation and action remaining open to the mysterious action of the Holy Spirit who gradually molded her heart and enabled her to share in the love of the Father for mankind. Revealed by Jesus' complete and supreme offering of himself on the cross and by the example of Mary, the sorrowful Virgin Mother, Magdalene sought and found her first companions called to follow Christ. Poor, chaste, obedient, and who were sent out as witnesses of his unconditional love towards all people. She knew in her heart the will of God to serve the neediest persons with the heart of Christ. Charity is like a blazing fire. Magdalene opened her heart to the Holy Spirit who guided her. The zeal of Magdalene of Canosa to above all make Jesus known so that he may be loved is what identifies the Canossians in the Church. It carries out the mission of evangelization in communion of faith and life, inspired by Jesus crucified in his burning love for his Father and for men. Because of this great inspiration, Canossians before and until now devote our energies to educate children, adolescents and youth, promoting the integral growth of their personality extending with time the loving attention of Magdalene 
towards the sick, the poor, the youth, and the little ones. Kenosians are involved in the various forms of evangelization, aware that there is no greater act of charity towards our neighbor than that of helping him know and love God. Magdalene of Kenosa defines the ministry of evangelization as the work which leads itself most towards reaching the charismatic goal of the Institute. She writes, in fact, in the rules for the Christian doctrines, there is no greater act of charity than that of working together, so that all may love God, and one of the greatest means of making Him loved is that of making Him known. The ideal, in fact, which burns in Magdalene of Canosa was to make Jesus known, since He is not loved, because He is not known. St. Magdalene wrote an extensive series of memoirs, giving us the opportunity to hear from her own words. Let's read some excerpts from these memoirs, which reveal the depths of the relationship she had with Jesus Christ. Later on, I gradually lost the feeling of the Lord's presence, and I found myself in a state of temptation weariness and distraction, until one day I recalled the mercies the Lord had bestowed on me during my life. A desire to abandon myself and all things totally to Him was reawakened in me. This again brought great peace and recollection. During this time, with regard to the Spirit, as I was not able to pray, I went through a period of spiritual boredom, weariness and temptation especially against faith. I could not find relief in anything, nor did anything interest me, be it temporal or spiritual. In the midst of weariness and boredom, I knew that I could rise above it only when I found the Lord. After several days, I began to find Him in Holy Communion, after which at times it did not seem as if I could contain Him, not even in my bosom. It was during one of these days after my monthly retreat, when for obvious reasons I had more time to dedicate to prayer, that I felt disposed to unite myself to God, not in spirit, but rather in a deep sentiment of affection. My old feelings were reawakened with a great desire to unite myself to God if only for one hour, and even though I suffered physical effort, it was not possible for me. I feared it was because I had displeased the Lord by my unfaithfulness and by my failure to do what He had so often shown He expected of me, that is to seek Him only in humiliation and suffering. It is true that He often put me in the dire necessity to seek Him alone by depriving me of nearly everything but this I had done out of necessity and not out of free choice. Besides, I am keenly aware of the faults I commit in connection with my vocation, especially in my duty as superior. This, however, did not disturb me exceedingly, and I was left in peace with a determination to do better. In the meantime, my spiritual life continued to change. At times I felt closely united to God, 
and at other times I had the impression of never having known him at all. God allowed me to suffer a humiliation through which he would be glorified. I experienced a most wonderful delight, and because of it I did not know how to contain my tears. I offered myself to the Lord for any kind of humiliation, provided it contributes to his glory. In fact, it seemed to me that he wanted to be glorified in the various works of my vocation, through my humiliation. After some days, I had to suffer a very heavy humiliation, which at first was very painful. It was not only because of the humiliation, but also because it was becoming clearer to me that God wanted to be the only one for me personally, as well as for the work. When the first blow had passed, I sincerely thanked the Lord. During prayer the next day, it cost me no effort at all to become closely united to Him. Apart from the intimate joy, these last-mentioned experiences also left in me a very special desire to prevent offense to the Lord. I also felt a deep sorrow for any fault which I might have committed. There was a fear, prompted by love, of offending Him again. And because of all these, I felt an ardent desire for heaven. While continuing prayer and asking the Lord for strength to overcome every difficulty, I went to seek comfort, as I usually do, from a page of Thomas Kempis, which I opened at random. The reading encouraged me to undergo suffering and to expose even my life for God's service and provoke such a heartfelt sweetness that I could not restrain my weeping. While well, I remembered the texts I had cited at other times, Pocula Calvavi Solus, I have trodden the winepress alone, the old desires to spread the glory of God and to save souls were revived, and I offered myself to the Lord also for the salvation of the whole world, if it were possible. The life of St. Magdalene of Canossa was very clearly centered on Jesus Christ. We will read next from a book by Marina Airoldi and Dorino Tunis, Magdalene of Canossa, Charity is a Fire That Ever Spreads Out. The excerpt that we will read from this book contemplates the Christ-centeredness of St. Magdalene's life. And what? After her first attempts at living a cloistered life, between 1791 and 1792, Magdalene had another certainty. She had a repugnance towards the cloister, which seemed too easy a way to save herself, but would prevent her from dedicating herself to others and to help to save their souls. She wanted to find the best means for preventing sin. In order to achieve this, she was ready to give up all that she possessed, even to the extent of turning her blood into gold, accepting even death. She also had very much at heart the reunion of the Catholic and Orthodox churches. What concrete action could she take? 
She did not know yet and proceeded by making various attempts. Meanwhile, due to family problems, she had to wait patiently for a long time. What helped her to grow spiritually are a secluded life, prayer and spiritual exercises, besides the gentle guidance of Don Libera. Between 1795 and 1799, what affected her very deeply were some verses from the Bible which struck her almost like flashes of light. For example, when she heard some verses from the book of Tobit on the practice of works of mercy, she understood that her way would be that of dedicating herself to works of charity which she could already do as she had a natural inclination towards assisting the sick. A verse from the Miserere, which pointed towards a commitment. Dosebo iniquos, I will teach sinners your ways and they will turn back to you, from Psalm 51 verse 13, spurred her to teach Christian doctrine, beginning from those in her house, that is, the maidservants. Meanwhile, she kept in her heart the desire to follow, if possible, the invitation of Christ to go into the whole world in Mark chapter 16, verse 15. But it was above all a verse from Exodus which became for her the guide to all her future experiences. In Spike et Fac Secundum Exemplar, Look and do like the model, from Exodus chapter 25 verse 40. In the biblical text, the exhortation directed to Moses referred to the construction of the lampstand, with seven branches according to a model indicated by God. But in the meditation of the Passion, made by Magdalene, the model to imitate is Christ on the cross. From then on, Christ crucified will become the first object of her faith, the way to reach God and her brothers and sisters, the only great model for her choices in life. All that she will develop over time, the choice of the areas of commitment, the sharing of a life of poverty, the attitude of service she demands of herself and her companions, the basic points for the rules, will be from the Son of God who came to share the human condition to the point of stripping himself of everything and of accepting an infamous death so as to free humanity from sin. The suffering, the absolute poverty and the experience of abandonment which Christ went through on the cross and which he continues to renew by offering himself as victim in the Eucharist are for Magdalene signs of the extraordinary an immense love of God for all. Therefore her mission and that of her companions, indeed of all Christians, cannot but be the witnessing of this love, making it known, teaching others to discover it even in sufferings and in trials, and to build their personal and family life on the example of Jesus, even to the point of accepting death and giving it its real meaning as a passing on to our true life. However much we may suffer from physical or spiritual pain, from poverty or violence, Magdalene tells us that by fixing our gaze on the crucified, 
we will realize that compared to the sufferings and poverty he endured, ours are but a game. Jesus was stripped of everything except of his love for us. So we Christians are called to love one another. Magdalene and her companions, who call themselves daughters of this love, daughters of charity, must dedicate their lives to glorify him, reveal him to others, and serve him in their neighbors who are most in need, being fast servants of the poor. Having Christ crucified as their model, they are led to an apostolic life in a way that is suitable for women, as she herself wrote. This total dedication to a life of witness brings them to have direct and absolute relationship with God, so as to leave behind all that seems useless and superfluous, accepting instead even what makes them suffer, even the suffering which frightened her for a long time in her spiritual journey. St. Magdalene of Canosa died in April the 10th, 1835. She was canonized in the year 1988, with a feast day celebrated on April the 10th. But this feast is also sometimes celebrated on May the 8th. The orders of Canosian daughters and sons of charity remains an active force for good today. Currently, there are about 2,500 Canosians working all over the world. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Christian Saints Podcast. Look for the Christian Saints Podcast page on Facebook or Instagram, or find us on Twitter at podcast underscore saints. All music in this episode was composed by my good friend, James John Marks of Generative Sounds. Please check out his music at generativesoundsjjm.bandcamp.com. If you enjoyed listening to the Christian Saints podcast, please give us a five-star review on iTunes or whatever podcast app you use. This will help others to find this Christian Saints podcast and be blessed by these stories of God's saints. Let us end with another excerpt from the memoirs of St. Magdalene. I cannot recall in detail the spiritual experiences of that day, but I do remember the very tender transports of love that caught hold of me, and I spent the rest of the time in close union with God, repeating frequently loving expressions. My love increased and gathered strength as I was prompted to call him, my dear spouse. Another time, during prayer, I thought I heard him call me, my dear spouse, but I might have imagined it. I was left with a consuming desire to work for the Lord and to seek nothing else but Him alone. Because of my weakness, always commit some imperfections. Because of my weakness, I always commit some imperfections when dealing with those with whom I live even though they are holy. I beg the Lord to make me die on a deserted beach alone, with Him alone. Though physically exhausted, I felt disposed to go to serve Him, even at the North Pole, if it were necessary. (laughs) ¶¶